The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk. Good morning. You're very welcome along to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, coming up on the show today, did you know that the colour you choose for your home decor could do more than boost your mood and could make all the difference financially because you can change the value of your home? We can dream, but we don't get the daily hours of long sunshine in Ireland, even in the summertime. So are we wasting our time investing and installing solar panels? We'll be finding out that. Uh, There's big demand at the moment for builders for home renovations and so on. Uh, Many of us came to the project with very little ideas, apart from wanting to get the builder in and the job done. But should we be spending more time researching and project managing? We'll have an expert in. And Jennifer Sheehan will be talking to us about the best use of mirrors in the home. So if you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here in The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us here at thehomeshow at newstalk.com or you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And you can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts, of course. They're up in the News Talk app, powered by Go Loud. Now, well, here we are at the beginning of July and for the most part, we are still waiting for the summer to begin. I always seem to get a giggle when I read about new plans and grants and all of that about getting solar panels in and utilising the power of the sun because you think, what sun? Where? But of course, the truth is that solar is just one part of the whole renewables thing about which there really can't be any quibble anymore and they are very important. But I'll be chatting later to somebody who can enlighten me as to where and when the sun will be arriving or more realistically about how all of those panels work when it's dreary and miserable. Anyhow, before I get to that, I'd love to hear from people who have got solar panels fitted. Are they doing a good job? Was it the best decision you ever made? Maybe it wasn't. Have you cut your energy bills? And more importantly, would you recommend them for other people? Well, text me here 53106. You can email the show at the home show at newstalk.com. And sunshine or not, you're very welcome along to the show. Now, first up today, you might think that the colours you use in your home don't have an impact other than maybe feeling a little bit better with the change. But whether you use a soft green or a striking red, it could make all the difference financially as well because it can change the value of your home. Well, here to analyse the meaning of the colours that you use and those you should avoid, I'm delighted to be joined by Instagram star Tash Bradley, Director of Interior Design at Lick. Uh, Tash, you're very welcome along to the Home Show this morning. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> now, colours. I Look, we talk about colour all the time and where to put it and what to do with it and we've loads and loads of interior designers on the show. When it comes to the psychology of colour, you have a kind of a different take on that. So what? how does colour influence our mood? That's a really good question. So, so my background is actually colour psychology and so I sort of have gone in a lot deeper to really understand when, we, when I'm recommending colours for people's homes to really understand the feeling that that color will give to someone in their home. So we talk a lot, and I know a lot of interior design talk a lot about calming colors, but the power that I sort of go into is like explaining what a calming color is and almost recommending colors that can make you feel stimulated, refreshed. Um, You know, if you're someone that slightly struggles um, with color blindness or all have kids with autism, you know, it's really important that we really think about, you know, what we're surrounding ourselves with and the colors that we surround ourselves with. Okay. So, 
Yes. That's interesting. So so it can kind of instill something in you, a reactive experience. Um, and, and I suppose even if we start at something as basic as the front door, uh, do you think it gives an insight into personality then, the, the kind of the colours people pick for their front door? Oh my God, absolutely. Like the front door, if you imagine, it's the first, it's the first thing that welcomes you home. So two reasons it's really important to have a door that reflects the personality of the people that live behind it. It's really important. But also for anyone that's um, looking, you know, if you've got guests coming in, it's sort of going to give them a bit of an indication of maybe your design within the home. Um, And it's really fun. You can go from anything from a yellow, which almost symbolizes someone that's very sort of welcoming, maybe a bit more sort of lighthearted to someone that maybe with a black front door that person's maybe a bit more sophisticated, quite elegant, tends to be slightly more serious, the person behind a black front door. Or or the Prime Minister. <laughs> none oh of God, those or things. the Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So that's actually interesting because I do think that probably on a lot of older houses, maybe those kind of stately homes and Victorian houses, yeah. you, you tend to see a black front door and it does speak to that within that that elegance and quiet and, and solicitude. Uh, now red wh- what do we think of when we see a red front door? So red is the first colour that we all see so it's got the shortest wavelength so that's why like stop signs and like traffic lights are red um, because you straight away it commands attention so if someone's got a red front door, they're wanting their house to be noticed. So it's sort of, it's, if you sort of panned, if you walked down a street and you saw everyone had, I don't know, soft pastel doors and then you saw a red front door, that would be the house that you would be most drawn to. Mm. Or want to avoid, maybe, depending if somebody Or maybe want to house. avoid. <laughs> now, are the ways you can soften, you might like the idea of red but you want to kind of tone it down a bit. So what colours could you go for if you wanted that kind of attention seeking but not blaring well that's where you mute it down and actually you go for a softer shade so actually looking at the more duskier option so either like a dusky um more earthy red like a terracotta red would be stunning and actually looks amazing if you've got green plants out the front or you could go for a pink which comes obviously it's just lots of white added to the red color um and a pink front door still gives you that sort of more nurturing feeling, I would say. Mm, okay. Now, white doors are very, very popular, mainly, I think, just because there was a moment in time for years where everybody had white PVC front doors and they're kind of hard to paint. So what does that tell us about the personality that lives inside? Well, a white front door, I would actually say, is um, you're sort of minimalist you're sort of very calm. It sort of might be quite a serene house, you know. You'll sort of probably walk in and there'll be lots of plants and it'll be a very sort of elegant, very soft, almost clean space, I can imagine. Mm. And what if you've decided not to paint it at all because there's lots of front doors that are just brown, mahogany, pine, whatever, and and they've left it kind of naked. See, I, I think that can be really stunning and that to me shouts that if sort of quite a homely person, sort of actually you're quite laid back, you're kind of relaxed. It's a sort of when you walk in, you sort of can kick your shoes off 
and to, to walk through and sit around the kitchen table and have a nice cup of tea sort of vibe. <laughs> it is actually nice co- <laughs> country cottage kind of look. Now, it's country cottage, exactly. I, it's quite a warm sort of feeling, doesn't it? I've left green to last because my own front door is yeah. a pale sage green. Who, tell Ooh, me with horror. What does that tell you about me? <laughs> I love it, so, by the way. Oh, I love it. Oh, okay, so green is obviously the colour of nature. Um and it's the colour that actually is the most restful for us because our eye doesn't have to adjust to the colour green. So having a sort of pale green door, you'll be so drawn in by the person. And again, a bit like the naked door, it's that sort of very homely, sort of down-to-earth sort of people normally. Right, I'll take that. Uh, yeah. And fine. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan with you until the top of the hour and before the break. Uh, we were chatting about the psychology of colour and your front door. So you've probably all rushed out to have a look at your front door uh, and worked out what kind of person you are. If you want to listen back to that interview, you can do so, of course, on the News Talk app, uh, which is powered by Go Loud. Just search for The Home Show. Uh, now, I was chatting uh, before that about, you know, the Never mind the psychology of colour, the psychology of the weather in Ireland. We don't know where it's heading. We don't know what's going to happen. And it can all be a bit disappointing, as it seems to be certainly so far this summer. But rooftop solar panels are becoming increasingly a common sight across the length and breadth of the country. And new government initiatives are coming on board. So it'll hope that more people will start installing them. But we don't have the hours of sunshine even in the summer. So are we wasting our time investing and installing these? Well, here to talk all things solar and give me the answer to that is Conal Bolger, uh, Chief Executive Officer at the Irish Solar Energy Association. Very welcome along to the Home Show, Conal. Thanks very much, Sinead. Delighted to be here. Now, let's get this one out of the way. Do we have the weather to get any benefit from solar power? I mean, this is Ireland. How much sun do, do these panels need? Even in the darkest, greyest day of the year, there's meaningful energy falling on the rooftops of Ireland. So the solar panels capture daylight and convert that into kind of green electricity. So we have this hitting rooftops all the time. So what we'd sort of suggest is that rather than waste that, we try and convert that into electricity, help save people money and help them do their bit on climate change. And in fact, a research we commissioned from the Mari Institute in UCC found that one million uh, home rooftops were suitable to host solar panels and they would produce enough power to meet a quarter of all residential demand or in another way, produce enough power to power one in four homes. Right, okay. So they don't need, you know, blistering sunshine. We don't need Mediterranean conditions. It's daylight rather than sunshine. Is that it? Yeah, it captures daylight and converts it into useful electricity. So... You know, as it's as it's generating, you're, you can use the power to charge phones, boil the kettle, run the washing machine. And in fact, we're finding there's other use models for it too. Like there's other options that people might want to think about, like pairing solar with a battery, using the renewable power at a time when there isn't daylight. You can actually redirect the electricity and use it to heat your hot water. If you're lucky enough to own an electric vehicle, you can power it for free with the uh, electricity generated. Okay. Yeah, and every home's a little different, and we'd always advise talking to a number of suitably qualified installers. If you'll forgive the little plug, um, our members are uh, are kind of, you know, we represent the industry. So if you're looking for kind of an installer, please do check out our website at 
www.irishsolarenergy.org. Okay, um, now, Connell, I have to ask you because this is the one that I know listeners will be thinking about as you're saying all of the good stuff about it and all of the interesting stuff. And certainly with fuel prices the way they are, any saving is is going to be beneficial. But they are expensive to install. There is no getting past that. What, what is a household, say an average four-bed semi, looking at? How many do you need for a start and, and what is it all going to cost? Just to say up front, of costs will tend to vary based on your type of system and your individual rooftop. Your standard uh, installation, about 10 panels, which in industry jargon be about 3.4 kilowatt peak, is likely to be in the range of seven to €9,000 up front. Mm. Now, the good news is that the, uh, there are grants available from SEI up to €2,400, which will help with this upfront cost. Mm. There are also providers in the market who are looking at rental models, which might be an option for some customers as well. Okay. Now, you know, not every rooftop is going to be suitable, but yeah. uh, that research from UCC does suggest that one million may be. And what that report also found was that the, report, uh, the panels were paying for themselves within seven years, purely on the energy savings. So that might sound like a long time, but when you think about the panel, the lifetime of a panel is about is at least 25 years. And with technical improvements, we're seeing 35-year timelines. Okay, so so means. there is, so if you're prepared to have that upfront cost, the kind of the pain at the beginning, you will get the payback in due course. Um, and, and of course, there's lots and lots, I think most new houses now, where possible, are being, are being fitted with solar panels. So people are getting that now if they're buying new. Is that going to continue to be the case? Yeah, well, we're seeing um, the European Union is looking to bring in uh, mandates to increase, um, to kind of make it standard for new bills across the European Union. And what's the exciting thing, I suppose, about that is like, you know, there's, it's something proactive and positive people can do for the climate, um, but it saves money. And I suppose it is worth saying that, like, when we think about that standard 3.4 kilowatt system as just a an example, the, the 10 panels, that research from UCC found that that was an annual saving of €450 Euro on an annual bill. Now, that's at today's energy prices. So if your prices go up further or if you happen to own an electric vehicle, some of those savings could be much greater. Mm. Now, that's actually before you take into account the impact of the micro-generation support scheme. So from yesterday... People who are entitled to be paid for the power captured on the rooftop and sold back to the grid, subject to some conditions and limits. So practically, that would likely appear as a credit on your bill from your energy supplier. So the idea is that people can earn a little from the power they aren't using and help green the wider electricity supply oh, and right. power other homes. So you're selling back. So for the bits you don't use, you can sell it back to the grid and make yeah. make a few bob. That was announced in last year's budget, wasn't it? Yeah, it was announced uh, around Christmas okay. um, last year. Um, the kind of, the legislation put into effect was signed uh, in February. So okay. it's kind of taking effect from July. Right. It was to give... So, th- so that's a good idea then. So that, that'll kind of mitigate against the cost. Uh, Connell, are there, are there people that maybe would have excess or, you know, is that a common thing or is it just a bit of a, a bit of a gimmick? Well, we find like kind of in the, according to most of the survey, most of the kind of evidence we've seen so far in Ireland, people probably produce about seven, they probably use about 70, 80% of what they produce. Right. And then they'd have the remainder for export. 
Now, in the vast majority of cases, it probably people are going to use as much of what they produce themselves for free than mm. import off the system because it's always going to be cheaper than something that's generated far away and transmitted down the wires. Mm. What they're not using, they're now, they can get paid for now. All right. OK, well, look, that's good to know. And certainly all of those measures, including the grants, which I know are quite generous, uh, might help people then make that decision and get over the line. Um, and of course, they won't give us better weather, unfortunately. <laughs> we have to keep our fingers crossed for that. Conal Volger, CEO of the Irish Solar Energy Association. Thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show today. Now, we're hearing a lot about pent-up demand um, of building and projects and all of that because of, you know, COVID. Uh, And I suppose getting builders into hire from renovating works and all that kind of thing is really, really difficult at the moment. Some people have waited so long, including me, uh, to try and get some work done. Uh, And look, there's that feeling that you just want them to get on with it. You know, just turn up, you'll make decisions on the fly and having them there is better than not. But when it comes to planning projects, especially those where you're spending an awful lot of money on the bigger side of things, um, there is a right way and a wrong way to manage all that. And most of us wouldn't be project managers. Uh, So uh, we have some tips on how to plan for bigger works like that. And I am delighted to welcome back to the home show, Denise O'Connor, Managing Director of Optimise Design. Uh, Denise, we've come through a very difficult couple of years, um, no mistake. And when it comes to planning, there is a right way and a wrong way. Gosh, we've come through a very tricky couple of years and I think all of us have been stuck at home. So many people are so anxious to get that job done. So it's incredibly frustrating now that, you know, it's impossible to find tradespeople, costs are rising, just a really difficult time mm. to get work done. Mm. Um, and I guess the the danger there then is just jumping in and going with the first person that says they're available. So the absolutely most important thing is make sure you have the plan, you understand what you want to get done, you've done your research, you've done your due diligence before you start anything. And especially when you're picking contractors, even picking designers, architects, do your research, make sure you're happy with who you're working with. Um, Never just start a project without having the whole thing fully thought out. You see, I think people do do that, though. Oh, they do. You know, they just say, can we just get a builder in? We'll think about it on the fly as they're here. But even things like we've heard because of all the delays on supply chain issues and everything that's happening, that it can take months and months and months to get in. The likes of steel, Mm -hmm. joists Mm -hmm. or even appliances. Appliances, absolutely. I I went looking for a, a, a footstool recently and I was told it'll be 30 Three zero weeks. Oh my goodness! To get yeah. in, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a footstool. Yeah. Are you finding that now in your business at the moment? Across the board. So, you know, everything from tiles to, like you say, yeah. uh, furniture. That's I think it's to do with the foam, apparently. Um, everything, everything you can imagine, components for chairs, all sorts of things are causing huge delays. So the the very important thing to do is. You know, make a plan, understand what it is you need and then start doing your research and speak to suppliers. So, you know.
You're very welcome back to the home show here on News Talk. Uh, for those of a certain vintage, they will have recognised a dollar there with Mirror Mirror. Uh, and you kind of have to look at the video that goes with that. It's, it's pretty tragic. Jennifer, she and you are far too young to remember that song it's in its first emanation. I'm not right. sure I'll be adding it to a playlist. Yeah, <laughs> you're, not, you're not the better for it yet. Well, neither are <laughs> I. I can't think of another song, actually, that they had any other hit. I think it was one of those one-hit wonders. But um, that Mirror Mirror. Indeed, indeed. And if you're only joining us now, uh, you'll have missed our piece at the top of the show about the psychology of colour of your front door. Uh, And uh, what what colour front door do you have, Jennifer? Uh, Mine is Railings by Farrow and Ball. It's kind of a blacky, bluey colour. Oh, right. Mm, Is that bad? Uh about you. I think, uh, well, of course, we were talking about Downing Street and that, you know, kind of speaks to a very serious and Mm. subdued incumbent. Of course, not at the moment. (laughs) More than yours. (laughs) All right. Well, people can listen back to that. It's up on the podcast. News Talk website, powered by Go Loud. Just search for The Home Show. Uh, And you are, sorry, you are very welcome into the studio. Thank you, thank you. the reason we are playing the mirror, 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 mirror uh, is because that's what we want to talk about today, uh, about the rules and regulations about mirror and uh, I'm going to stick my neck out here and I am going to uh, assume that for you more is more more bigger is is better and you know anybody who has a disco ball in their loo (laughs) probably likes mirrors (laughs) really a wonderful way to work mirrors into your decor disco balls and put them everywhere yeah more is more I really I personally appreciate when somebody goes right up to the edge of a hall of mirrors type of look in the house I just I love them I think they're amazing Right, okay. Now, and actually, I'm kind of with you on this. I have a giant standing mirror in my hall, Mm -hmm. which I love. Um, Well, I particularly love it because it's ever so slightly concave. Oh, now (laughs) you're talking. So it's my happy mirror (laughs) and everybody gets a go. Comes to visit Sinead and our house gets a go in the happy mirror. (laughs) To let them be a little bit better about them. That is tip Um, number one for buying mirrors. Just get a nice, slightly elongated uh, look because I don't care what I actually look like. I just want my reflection to look okay. You know, Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, no, everybody looks like that in my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, the hall actually is a key place to have it because it's ideal. Like there is that illusory thing that it makes a small space or a dark space feel bigger. I mean, yeah. it does, doesn't it? It does. That's not, yeah. And they're so simple. I mean, it's just it's literally as simple as it reflects light. And so it just makes it feel bigger. And obviously it reflects the reflection. <laughs> so you're really you're just doubling up on everything you already have for for buttons. I mean, it's just a no brainer. Yeah. Now, at the size of a mirror, that you're choosing for a room Um, for some rooms I suppose you'll want it to be the focal point Yeah, Um, yeah. but for others you know you you want one there but but you don't want to take over maybe other things you might have on your walls it's a tough tough one I I really I generally think if you're hanging any kind of a a large mirror if it's anything over the size of you know just a little vanity mirror or a little accent or something I really think go as big as you can because it, it doesn't look good to have something too small if you're a little bit torn between going on a smaller size or a little bit too big, go too big. It doesn't. It actually has the opposite effect. You think that going a little bit smaller might make the room look, you know, might it, it might not dominate the room. It might yeah. not overpower the room. And that's actually the opposite happens. If you put something on that's a little bit too small, it feels like you're holding back. It feels like the room is, is being restrained a little bit and it, and it feels a bit smaller. So go a bit too big. And so generally the rule of thumb is if you're putting on a big mirror, you know, classically at the end of a hallway, as you say, or over a mantelpiece or somewhere like that, go as big as you possibly can for the space you have. You don't want to leave much more than about 10 centimetres around around either side. 
Okay. And when it comes then to framing, um, I mean, are you all out for the whole guilt thing or <laughs> I think it really depends. I think it depends. Metal? I, I think just go with the style of your house, you know, or if you're going to contrast then make sure you're contrasting cleverly because I can imagine a lovely minimalist house where most things are, are very calm and very serene. And then you have this gorgeous kind of big gilded mirror or every now and then, you know, some accents mm. that really pop out. Um, I'm thinking of the lovely Portobello renovations. Sarah Portobello re- renovation does that so well with colour she has mostly black and white and then these gorgeous pops of orange and and I think that could work with mirrors and frames too you know because it's not overpowering there isn't colour in yeah. it but you can go a little bit ornamental if you want to as okay. an accent. Now when it comes to the glass itself yeah, um, there are options here. I mean, look, I, when you think of a mirror, there's only one type of glass, the stuff that reflects your it face. It gets overlooked. But, but there is. Yeah. There is an option on that. Talk so to you us can about work that. it in. You, obviously, you have your plain mirror, your plain glass, and that's going to be generally the cheapest. Then there's that lovely vintage antique glass, which I think just looks gorgeous. Obviously, you can find that in actual antique mirrors. Now, are you talking about the ones like that, that. that have been kind of, they look as if they're, it's old yeah. and it's been scratched and it's a bit black around the edges. Yeah. And yeah. Your reflection might not be perfect, but you know, maybe a little bit of fuzzing as a filter might not look too bad. You might look like the snug of your local. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh, that's the look you're going for. Okay, okay. (laughs) And coloured glass. Now, I think that would just make me feel ill. Like if I looked in the mirror and I saw an orange face or green face, I'd be a bit worried about that. But is there a place for it? There... I, I don't love it. I think some of the smoky glass can look pretty oh, good. Oh yeah, okay. You can get anything, obviously you can get pink, you can get green, you can get blues, you can get all that. I think it can look good as a faraway accent, but you're right, it makes the reflection look a bit trippy. So if that's the overall aesthetic of your house, <laughs> fine, <laughs> but it's right. just something to consider. Not so if it's a way to bring in colour, you know, something that you're not using, if it's a way to bring in colour, that I think it can look nice maybe in a corner or a little bit further away. If it's something large that's going to be reflecting um, light back into your house then keep that in mind mm. because the colour is going to, to be in the reflection not just in the, the glass itself. Yeah. So it's And of course you can a, get kind of features on it this bevelled feature or yeah. kind of little little kind of cuts into the glass itself which yeah. can be quite nice just add an, an extra little feature to it. Are they a little bit old fashioned to do that now do you some think? Some of the styles are some of the styles are Maybe not old fashioned, but maybe slightly out of date. You know, those, as you say, those kind of straight lines and beveled edges are out of date. You can get glass etched, which I think is such a nice way to maybe bring in a piece of art or some people like having quotes in their houses or something like that oh without actually having, you know, if you don't want to bring in again too much colour or too much, meh, you know, uh, clutter. It's a nice way to bring in a little bit of, of something if you wanted to or keep a memory. OK. Um, now, pretty. one thing I, I have a friend who has put up uh, in her in her sitting room on her alcoves mirrored tiles I and am so lovely here for that idea so here you, for in, this in my head it doesn't work at all but in reality it's it's fabulous they're beautiful yeah and an alcove is such a great way to put them in because they're on the backs of shelves and a lot of people put a lot of effort into shelf styling and then you just double up the effect, which is mm. great. You get to mirror some of that light back from, you know, what could be quite a dark corner. And they're probably I think straightforward to put up, are they? I Super mean, easy and yeah. not that expensive. Another place they look amazing, and I, I love this look, is a mirrored backsplash in a kitchen. I just think this is so nice, especially right. if you have maybe a smaller kitchen, maybe a darker kitchen. It's it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous way to bring a now, bit of Now, you know light. me, practical to the core, I'm thinking the <laughs> splashes, the dirt, the cleaning <laughs> it. So what is the best way? My grandfather was a big advocate of newspaper 
you know, vinegar yeah. newspaper. But maybe that's just for windows. How do you clean mirrors? So, yeah, you're right. They they're going to get dirty. They get dust. They do get dusty. Yeah, they do get dusty and they get dirty. So a microfiber cloth is the thing. So anyone who watched my episode of Home of the Year will, will be able to testify that newspapers don't work on okay. glass because big <laughs> streaks across right, okay. my sliding doors that I noticed a bit too late. Anyway, it was what it was. Um, I, I don't find that newspapers work for me. What does work, very, very simple, water and vinegar. And this is a topic for a whole other day, yeah, but I'm yeah. very much an advocate for bicarbonate of soda and vinegar are basically okay. all you need to clean your house. So a mixture of water and vinegar and a microfiber cloth, clean microfiber cloth and wiping it side to side. So don't go around in circles, side to side. Ah, and that is there you go. all you need. All right. Yeah. Well, we think we need to lie down after all that. We'll, <laughs> I think what we'll do next is head to the bedroom. The bedroom. Uh, because one of the other things that, that came up this week, I was looking at some websites and uh, I... I purchased a bed about a year ago um, but I'm constantly on the lookout for duvets and duvet covers it's just such a nice way to totally and utterly change the way a a bedroom looks and to give it a totally different vibe Um, so I I thought we'd ask you about beds themselves there seems to be so many and so many different types and it's an expensive purchase you don't want to get it wrong Um, so Talk to me about the different types um, that people can get and what's available. And I suppose the big question is divan or freestanding? Yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, it is a absolute minefield out there. I was so overwhelmed. Even just, you know, I picked my bed and kind of forgot about it. Even just going into this topic, I mean, I was drowning in mm. different types of beds. Divans, frames, canopies, feathers, airbeds. Water beds, hammock beds. We've spoken about Murphy beds on this podcast. We did. Before. They're the ones that the pull down from the wall. Big and, fan. Uh, big, big fan. They were the old Irish way of, of providing a settle bed, yeah. really, in the in 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 a room. Um, and they are terribly popular now in the Fab tiny now. homes. Yeah. Desks on the back of them, shelves for books and everything. They're wonderful if you're if you're doubling up on the usage of that room. Anyway, okay. So size is the first thing, right? Again. Similar to the mirrors, I am all over getting the biggest size that you possibly can, especially if you're sharing a bed with somebody. You don't really want to know that they're there. So that's key. even, so the king size and then there's the super king size. Is that the California king. Okay, so we start with, with single or twin. Yeah, okay. Is the smallest one. Yeah. You can get what's called a small double. It's a four foot bed. It's like a queen, is it? it it's smaller than a queen. Oh, right. It's smaller oh, than God. a queen. Just right. be careful with this one because I have one in my spare bedroom as a sofa bed. It's not that easy to find sheets. Isn't that the problem though? It's because not that easy to th- because there's no really standard standard size, that can be a big difficulty. Yeah. Okay. So a single, a small double. A small right? double. Yeah. yeah. Handy for a small room because you can squeeze two into it. You know, yeah. it's a spare yeah. a spare room. Standard double, which is queen usually. Uh, okay. King, super king, emperor, and emperor. that's what we What's have an emperor? here. Is. Huh? And then California King. And one thing I'll say is that I'm throwing out names here left, right and centre. They're not standardised across countries. So if you're on holidays in the States or something like that oh, and you buy a king size, you know, you find beautiful sheets and you find that they're king sized or Super King or California King or Emperor or whatever and you take them home, they might not fit your bed. Right. Well, so I have it's to say, an Emperor bed is a new one on me. Is that <laughs> bigger is, than the Super this King? This is bigger than my house. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. They're probably the ones you find in the big, not that I know, the luscious five-star yeah. hotels maybe They're somewhere. 200 by 200, which is generally the same size, I think, as a California cake. Okay, all right. Depending on what country. So, so once you've decided what you can fit, um, yeah. then it's really down then about whether to get, like the frame itself. So the divan, yeah. the divan essentially, Jennifer, doesn't have like a headboard and legs. Yeah. It's, it's where the mattress just sits on the base. Isn't yeah. that right? So divan is, I mean, everybody has grown up with divan beds in their house they're basically just that box usually upholstered although you can get them in wood Um, but they're handy because while they take up visually a lot of space because they are just a big box they're actually only the same size as your mattress. So in terms of floor space, they take up the least yeah, amount of space. So you don't have a frame around it exactly. that's going to add in. Okay, so that's exactly. handy if your room is a little bit a little yeah. bit smaller. And um, they're handy for storage. I really okay. can't say this enough, especially yeah, if you're the fan in of the drawers in the bed, are you? I the drawers I find awkward because you don't just, you pull them out. I have an ottoman. It's the one that lifts up at the end and it's on you know, it sounds heavy, but it's on this hydraulic oh, right, something okay. or other. So it's actually not that hard to lift so it up. Do you put your, your winter blankets and duvet in I, underneath in that? There. Okay, okay. It's so much space. I mean, there's really no excuse for not using the space under your bed if you mm. have a small space. So mm. that's why I'm generally a fan of divan beds, especially in a small space. They're usually upholstered though. So that's something to bear in mind because again, visually, they're a big block. They take up a lot of space and you're, you have to think about then what fabric goes on it. So obviously yeah. you can get something calm that goes with your carpet and blends in. Or you could use it as an opportunity to go a bit wild, get your pop of colour in there if that's how, you know, how you want to use your bed. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, the controversy and the big question is the whole area when it comes to the blessed cushions. Um, because <laughs> we, had a, we had a bedding expert in, I'd say about a year ago now, and uh, she was saying to me, I think it was somebody from Dremolan Castle, like the housekeeper, so it was very posh, very mm. plush, and I'm sure they're the experts. But they were like, okay, so you have your two pillows and your two pillows, so your four yeah. pillows. And then the ideal is to have one cushion in front of each of those and then one cushion in front of that. Oh, good God. It's a lot of cushions. I like it is, but I've seen people do double that. Yeah. I've seen people do three and four layers of cushions and a little bolster pillow and the frill and the fluff and all that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've seen it. It's a look. I just don't have the patience. Well, it's a look. Personally. It's a look until you get into the bed yeah. because they have to fling them around the room. But I'm here for the four pillows. Even when I'm sleeping on my own, I have like I. What I like to do is make a little cocoon for myself. I like ah, a huge yeah. bed. Yeah. And then I get in. I have a pillow under my head. I've one down each side, kind of that I quite like to right. just wrap okay. myself. That around might be bordering you know. on too much information now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the <laughs> bed frames, the, the headboard, and the bed and, and all of that. Now, I'm I'm a big fan of a headboard. I don't have one because I can't fit it. Oh. Um. Because of the way the room is positioned, uh, which is a shame. So, uh, but I love them. And headboards. The only thing about them is if they don't come made into the frame, mm. they can be a little rattly if they're not secured properly. Yeah. Well, you can secure them to the wall with either a really strong double-sided tape. Uh, which I think is a little oh, bit better. The wall yeah, the I bed. think that's okay. better than onto okay, the bed. Good idea. If it's onto the bed, you always get that slight little clatter against the wall. Typically, yeah. okay, um, that can be really frustrating. Um, if you don't have space for a headboard, you can put something else on there, which is handy. A little curtain, a tapestry, something like that, or even just cushions up against the wall. Because it is nice having it there, you know, on a Sunday morning with a cup of coffee and you're sitting up it against is. it. It's nice to have something there, I yeah. think. Okay. All right. And then when it comes to, if we want the ultra luxury, the whole four poster canopy thing, actually, oh, so here for you it. can actually do a, quite a lot with you know, very modernist. Yeah. You don't need the big wooden kind of four poster beds anymore. You can just get a steel 
kind of frame yeah. and, and put a canopy over it, can't you? You can. You can get a lovely steel frame with just or almost nothing a square at all. Look. Just open. Or you can just have lovely, really, really sleek kind of four pillars almost really, really narrow, very, very sleek look, very modern look coming up off the end yeah. of each bed. And I just think that looks absolutely gorgeous. It can. Yeah. All right. And Luxury. Then you stick your big mirror in. And you, and, <laughs> Anywhere and you, you want. Have it, you have it done. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jennifer Sheen, where can people now find out more about you? You might post your bed and we'll all have a look I at will, you in your cocoon. I will. Yeah. Uh, at Workers Cottage. At Workers Cottage up on Instagram. Uh, a great uh, resource actually and, and Jennifer offers great hints and tips and all kinds of things in her in her lovely uh, home home of the year winner of course. And thanks a million for joining us uh, again on The Home Show today. Thank you for having me. Now that is all we have time for today on The Home Show. So uh, if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to uh, suggest a guest for us or a topic you'd like us to cover, we'll send Jennifer shopping and you can uh, suggest something for her. Then do get in touch 53106 for 30 cent email us here at the home show at newstalk.com and don't forget to check out all of our greatest hits our entire back catalogue up on the podcast which is on the Newstalk website thanks to Marisa Sullivan and Aoife Breen producing today with Stephen McLoon on sound and Anton Savage is up next have a fantastic weekend we will be here every Saturday The Home Show with Sinead Ryan Saturday morning at 8 on Newstalk